Welcome to Lawler Out Loud, and thank you for listening. I'm your host, Christy Lawler, and this podcast focuses on highlighting the amazing men and women that make a difference in the world. And we hope to prove that every single person has the power to make a difference and make an impact. Today's guest is Andrea Hoffer. So first, let me thank you, Andrea, for joining us to share your story, your experiences, your ideas, and the impacts you make for others. Thank you. I'm, I'm really happy to be here. Yeah, I'm so glad we connected. So I am, I'm very excited to learn more about you. I, I really love what your business is doing, and I think that what your business offers can really benefit, especially the hospitality industry right now, where we have a massive talent pool. Mm. that is homeless in terms of where they're landing with their career. And we, we have to get the talent in place. So I, I would love to focus a little bit on that as well as the rest of the personal story behind you. But let's, let's start with, you know, kind of tell us about you, um, what you do and who you are. What I do and who I am. Okay. Um, well, I'm CEO of, of AHA Recruiting Experts, and we focus on helping employers find the best people for their team so that they can have business freedom, and then also helping candidates or people who are looking for a better job experience to find the right home for themselves. Awesome. And there's something significant about that, because... You mentioned to me that you don't do placement fees, which is pretty unique in your world, right? Yes. Um, when I decided to focus the business in the recruiting area, I made the decision not to focus on bodies and seats, which I believe placement fees uh, lead to. Yeah. We, instead, even though we're, we're considered a recruiting firm, we're so much more than that. We, we focus a lot on employer branding and really digging in and learning from our client what it's like to work there. Why would people want to work for them? Mm -hmm. And then developing that message so it attracts the people who, who are the right fit. So we, we spend a lot of time on the front end getting to, getting to know the company, getting to know the team, and who, you know, who would be successful there? So then when we go out and start to look for that person, we know how to, how to recognize them. Yeah. And the way our structure is set up is we actually, because we're so much more like a recruit, um, a consulting firm than a traditional recruiting firm, we're actually subscription-based. So our clients pay us a monthly fee and we go out and recruit for them. And sometimes they'll get two people they want to hire in a month. And sometimes they'll get one and sometimes they'll get 10 and it's yeah. still the same fee. Uh, so, you know, to us, it's finding the right match that really yeah. matters and not just putting a person in the seat. Yeah. So that's a, that's a huge potential value add and ROI too, because you're matching candidates to culture. So the both parties agree that this would be a good situation because they're both investing their faith, if not finances, right? 
and do you do you have a fee for um uh the personnel side like actually the the people you're recruiting do they pay a fee to be involved with you guys so we don't charge the candidates um it, it, we are starting to offer services for the candidates to help them to interview more effectively, to help them yeah. with their resumes, you know, some similar things. We, we've that makes sense. In, and that we're, we will start charging for, um, but we do also offer a lot of free services for them. But as far as recruiting them for a specific job, there's no, no charge in, involved in that. You know, if they're the right fit, we want to hire them. We don't want to charge them for finding them a job. That's awesome. I love that. That's fantastic because some, some companies out there in your space definitely charge the candidates a fee. And I'm sorry, but when you're looking for a job, the last thing you want to do is pay to find one. That's crazy to me, but it's, it's a business model. Um, not one that I would personally want to work with, but it's a business model nonetheless. Um, I, I love that. And you're going to have to be sure to give me all of the information so that all of the people that are currently looking for work have this outlet to come and find you and be a part of your database. Um, so how, how did you come to this? Like, what, what is your personal trajectory that took you into this field to help companies and candidates find each other? Oh, it's a long story. <laughs> Um, I will shorten it. I, I actually started in higher ed. I have um, a degree and experience in, in working for colleges and, and universities, specifically okay. in the what's called the student personnel side, the student activities side. It's okay. where we helped candidates, not candidates, I'm sorry, students to, to develop leadership skills, to, to meet their best potential, to, to really grow in to themselves. And, you know, I, I've learned now, this is many years later, that that was an incredible training ground for me mm -hmm. in, in just about any profession, but especially in, in recruiting. And we did a lot of recruiting on campus for both um, student positions and professional positions. And I learned a lot about how oh, to do an effective yeah. interview and hiring process through what we did at the universities. Um, and from there, I ended up moving into business and I purchased um, or I opened a spa. I had 35 employees. And, you know, it, some of the positions were like a revolving door. <laughs> and I, there were times where I'm like, what am I doing? I know the right way to recruit and hire. And, and, and why am I not following that? I was so caught up in the day to day. Interesting. And I'm like, I wish I had a company I could just outsource it to that would do it right. Cause I don't yeah. have time to do that. You know? mm -hmm. And so um, at the same time as I had that spa, I started um, a small consulting firm where, um, and it actually came out of, because an old colleague of mine uh, was looking for uh, an outside consultant who understood business and also understood how colleges work. So I did some consulting work for her, and, and that sort of snowballed <laughs> into some larger projects. And so I had, you know, started that consulting company, and then 
as I went along, I started doing some different creative approaches at my spa for hiring and engaging my team. And a lot of the things were working. So my consultant clients started saying, well, can you start doing that for us? Because we really oh need help with recruiting. And I was like, sure. And before I knew it, it became 90, 95% of what we do. And wow. we just started dialing in and dialing in the process. And, and here we are. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So you're a serial entrepreneur, but you're also like a total game changer for people, right? You, you change lives through what you offer and what you do, because you're helping people not only develop themselves, but you're helping companies develop their, their teams. I mean, that's, that's huge, right? Yeah, and, and that's, I guess that's really the heart of it for me is I went into this wanting to help people to be their best and whatever that meant for them, because it's different for every person. Yeah. And we really, we spend a lot of time with both the candidates and the employers. So even the employers during the recruiting phase, we're teaching them how to interview effectively, you know, um, where we're helping them to figure out who is the right fit for them. And sometimes it's not exactly what they pictured in the first place, because sometimes they need somebody opposite of themselves. They just need to learn to work with them effectively. Yeah. and now we're offering onboarding services as well. So we're, we're taking that coaching experience that we do during the recruiting process and extending it out for 90 days to help them onboard and really set their new hire up for success. That is fantastic. This is why you're going into my change maker session. In a <laughs> yeah, for sure. No, this is huge because it's very... Um, even though you obviously this is how you earn your living, it's a very altruistic approach. It seems from what you're telling me, it's it seems quite fantastic. Well, thank you. I mean, I I every day I am grateful that I can do this kind of work. It's you know I've enjoyed my my jobs and my businesses in the past. I think this is really the first time that I feel like I'm, I'm fueling my soul, you know, that I'm really doing what I'm meant to do. And I, I just get so much out of it. And I love meeting all these different employers and candidates and learning about different industries because we work with every kind of industry you can think of. That's, that's awesome. And I love that you started by developing um, young people in their educational setting, because, you know, I mean, back in our days when we were in college, we needed a lot of guidance, even if we didn't realize it at the time, (laughs) we needed the guidance and you make those connections. And I'm sure there are people out there that are still mentally thanking you for what you've done in their lives and the path that you set them on. Because they couldn't, even if they didn't realize at the time the value of what you've done for them through their career, they probably look back and be like, wow, this, this all came from that one conversation or that one experience where I met this woman and she kind of helped me turn myself into where I am today. And that's, that's huge. Thank you. I have gotten some nice thank you notes over the years and I'm, I'm still connected 
with a lot of the students that I worked with, you know, 20, well, actually now I guess it'd be closer to 30 years ago. And so it, it means a lot to me. And, you know, eventually I see myself when I'm, when I'm maybe sell my business years down the road, going back and and teaching on a, on a college campus. Cause I do miss that. that, that college experience. And, and now I can, you know, I've, I've taught in the past business classes, so I probably would do that again. I like that long-term plan of yours. <laughs> Thank you. Um, so, well, that's a perfect segue into the question that I always ask. If you weren't doing your current job for a living and you had zero restrictions, you could do anything in the world and you have Bill Gates kind of money, would you do this or what would you do? Oh, I would, I would definitely do what I'm doing now. I, I, I think about this. I love a, it. A good amount. I, I, but I probably would do it um, in a way where I'm, I'm giving some of it away for free. <laughs> if I didn't have to worry yeah. about making money, because I just, I really enjoy what I do. And the I enjoy the, the teaching aspect. I, mm-hmm. you know, I'm a, I always say I'm a teacher at heart. And I guess that's really where I started. I mean, higher ed is education. Yeah. And so I, with everything I do, I, I feel like I'm teaching and learning. I learned so much from everybody I work with from the candidates to, to the employers. Yeah. Well, and that, that keeps you engaged too. It keeps you very fulfilled. Um, but you seem to be a very like happy, uh, pay it forward giving kind of person. So I'm wondering Um, And I always ask people if they have a negative period in their life or an example of a a negative experience that looking back on, they're grateful that they went through it because the evolution that it created has given them the ability to look back on it as a positive because there's something that they took out of it that they wouldn't have learned if it hadn't happened. So do you have something where it was negative time or negative experience that's now a positive memory? Probably quite a few. The one that stands so, out. So you've, you've, you've lived a while. You're not 21? <laughs> no, no, no. your picture no. looks like you're 21. <laughs> More than twice that, unfortunately. Well, actually, no, not unfortunately. I, li- I like where I am now. Yeah, right. Um, I, you know, I, I guess what's stands out for me and I don't know if I've ever shared this even publicly before um is I the spa that I owned um I had it for 10 years and it had a lot of ups and downs and I I guess I realized even halfway through that it wasn't fueling me it was actually it wasn't good stress. It was, it was really beating me down and oh. I wasn't really happy at, at all during that time or a lot, a lot of it. And I didn't really enjoy who I was oh. during that time period. And because it wasn't the type of work I was meant to do. Um, I believe in massage. I'm a very big believer in regular massage. I just had one last night, but that, yeah. of, <laughs> I love it. Yeah, but that type of business, um, for various reasons, it it just wasn't for me long term. So, but I learned so much. Like I couldn't do the work I'm doing now had I not gone through that experience. You know, I mean to 
to have 35 employees to figure out the best way to set up recruitment and engagement and, and to even just navigate the ups and downs of business. Um, you know, I, often yeah. when I speak or I do, because um, I still do some leadership training here and there. And whenever I do it, I always have people who come up to me and say, you get it. You're, you're not, you know, you're not a consultant that, that didn't own a business. You're a consultant that, that I bring a lot of my personal stories from that time period. That's um, so important. Into it. Yeah. And so I think it really, you know, it, it really, it, it, it resonates. just taught me so much. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it resonates. It taught me so much. It, it, it adds to your credibility too, because you're not doing something for others that you haven't done yourself. Exactly. And you recognize the challenges and the hurdles that stand in the way of a business owner. Because you're right, like you're running a spa where all of your customers are relaxed and you're the stress ball. <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't, that doesn't jive. That doesn't even make sense. That seems very like ironic. Really. <laughs> <laughs> um, but that's fantastic. But you said you had more than one. So I'm curious. Because I love that story. <laughs> oh, but well, I feel I mean, like was... there's something deeper. You do. Okay. Um, let me think. I mean, I can share. I think when we spoke before, I, I mentioned this isn't really my story. It's more my mom's story. Uh, do you want me to share that? Or Absolutely. Your mother is, is where you came from. Yeah, Her so... story is your story. So my mom... Um, was actually born in Berlin, Germany. And she, um, when she was, you know, five, six years old, the Holocaust broke out. And we're, we're Jewish. I should have prefaced it with that. So um, she, I won't get into all the details of her experience, but she ended up having to escape um, as a six-year-old by herself. And she didn't know oh what my was God. going on. Yeah. Wait, was she in a camp? She was not in a camp. Um, her family, it's real. She actually just wrote a book. Um, and the, the prologue to the book talks about this little story um, of an incident that happened that, that kind of was impetus for, for sending her away, which saved her life. Um, wow. Was, you know, she was six years old and she got on a crowded elevator with her grandmother because they lived in a, a building several floors up. Mm -hmm. And, you know, this is during the height of <laughs> the Holocaust. And, yeah. and she said to my, uh, to her grandmother, you know, um, why, you know, grandma, why, why don't you like Mr. Hitler? And, you know, if anybody in that elevator oh my God. shared that, they would have, the whole family would have been killed. Yeah. And so, um, I mean, what Beautiful innocence from a child, yeah. too. Yeah. So she, her grandmother, you know, grabbed her as soon as the elevator opened and, and brought her to the apartment and threw her in a room and closed the door. And this was a child that never got in trouble. Every, she was always kind of spoiled. Everybody yeah. loved her. So she definitely didn't know she'd done something wrong. Right. But she could hear through the door that they were screaming at each other that they had to get rid of her. Oh, my and God. So, and she didn't know what she had done wrong. And then a few nights later, um, they woke her up in the middle of the night, told her to packed a suitcase and brought her mm -hmm. her mom brought her down to the train station 
And um, when she turned around, her mom was gone and she was on this train <laughs> and she had no oh. idea what was happening. And, and it was, I can't imagine different. how traumatizing that was. Yeah. So she, so that was um, what saved her life was called the kinder transport and it saved okay. over 10,000 Jewish children. And so she had over, you know, growing up, I didn't really know. I knew there was something about her experience, but I didn't really know a lot. She didn't talk about it. Really, mm -hmm. um, she wouldn't let us learn German, even though we knew she knew German. Yeah. Um, but then that makes we, sense. <laughs> yeah. When, when we got early, um, older, she found the Kinder Transport Association, which is all these grown up kids and their families. Mm -hmm. And that she had escaped. Yeah, yeah. And she became actively involved. And for uh, close to 30 years, she's been the president of the Florida chapter for Kinder oh Transport. And been very active. And she speaks not as much anymore because she's in her late 80s. But for years, she she spoke um, lots of places. But mainly, she focused on speaking to children who, you know, were in maybe disadvantaged situations. And talk mm -hmm. to them about, you know, there there is a way that they can they can fulfill their dream and to not short themselves and to go out. Cause I mean, now she has this, you know, she loves her family. She had a successful career. Um, so she's always just wow. wanting to encourage children, you know, don't let your circumstances hold you back. You can, you can do whatever you want. This is, this is amazing. One, I want to know the title of our book. I want to support it. I want to buy it. I want to read it. I want to develop my uh, mental capacity by experiencing it through her words and her experience. But two, how did she get to the U.S. as a six-year-old on a train? Did they give so, her money? Like, how? No, what happened? Okay, so there's um, there's a whole backstory to the Kinder Transport, and the the um, the English government actually allowed ten thousand children to come in. So they came in on these okay. these trains. And so my mother was, um, she went, she was in several different orphanages. Um, she mm -hmm. ended up being in England, I think for close to two years. Um, she had to bounce around to different orphanages. Um, she didn't speak the language at first. So, you know, there were a lot of challenges. And, yeah. And a lot of um, the kids blamed these refugee children from Germany for the war, too. So there was oh, you know, God. some circumstances there as well. But eventually her mother escaped Germany and came to England and, you know, found my mother and she tried to take care of her, but it didn't work out. Um, she kept getting fired from jobs. So then she left my mother in another orphanage and went off to find work. Um, it, it, you kind of have to understand my, my family actually had a furniture store in Berlin and was, was pretty well off. And so my grandmother was not used to working um, and or take or really taking care of a child on her own. So it, it didn't work well <laughs> for her. Yeah. So anyway, the end was that eventually her grandparents um, were able to get visas to the United States um, through her aunt. It's a kind of a long story. She married an American. And so eventually they all went to Vineland, New Jersey, and 
um, settled on a chicken farm. So okay. this is a family that owned a, fur- a very successful furniture store in Berlin. And they became sudden- chicken farmers. And they became chicken farmers. And my mom would tell me how she would, you know, have to check the eggs. I, I just can't even imagine my mom growing up. Oh, my gosh. So um, that's kind of the short story. And she actually didn't even know her father was alive until about 40 years later. Um, and that's, you know, we're somehow through wow. the kind of Jewish network, her mother um, discovered he was in California. He, he escaped to Shanghai. Oh, my gosh. Not a short trip. <laughs> wow. So, I mean, this there's a lot fascinating. of the difference. Everybody, you know, from that, from that experience has different stories. And it's amazing when you, you I've never heard one these. like this, though. Yeah, it's, it's, is, it's a more unique, unique story. <laughs> yeah and my mom I mean a very positive person they used to call her yeah. like Pollyanna and so <laughs> I, <laughs> oh my gosh Sh- sidebar my uh my nickname is party Pollyanna oh, really? <laughs> yes because I'm always really excited to throw a party and I'm always like a total Pollyanna in my approach to everything and this is like the joke of people in my circle. They're like, oh, you're total Pollyanna. And I'm like, I know. <laughs> um, but I love that. I feel like your mom and I can be best friends. <laughs> She's very personable. People adore her. Um, I bet. And I do oh. as well, of course. <laughs> Good for you. You should. Um, yeah. yeah, no. Wow. This is fascinating. Oh, my goodness. I love this. So what happened next? From from which part? <laughs> from when she was on the chicken farm? Yeah. Uh, well, eventually she grew up. Her, her mom actually never really lived with her. She, she went off to Manhattan to find work. Um, so my mom grew up with her grandparents. And she graduated high school. And eventually she went to New York. And she got a job for Bloomingdale's. Um, she was one of these people. I don't. I don't know if they do this anymore. But like what they used to do in large department stores, if there was a sale and something that the store really wanted to push, they would hire these people to pretend they're a customer and make a big deal out of the item. So say it's a hat, she'd be. Um, there was a specific name for her. I can't remember right now, but she would say. But oh, like a promo hat. girl. Before we had promo girls. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and then eventually she ended up working for Bloomingdale's for 26 years. She worked her way up um, to department managers. Uh, She she oversaw a few different departments. She never got a college degree. She always um, wanted to. And actually, when she was 70, she went back to college. Um, I really love this woman. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, she didn't finish this. She had one class left to get her associates. It's and not her... too late. <laughs> I, <know. laughs> I keep telling her that, uh, but um, it was just a timing thing. And she, yeah, you know, she survived course. cancer three times. She's oh, like, oh my goodness. She, I keep telling her she's like the Energizer belt, uh, you know, bunny. She's yeah. nothing to knock her down. That's incredible. I feel like I need to interview your mom. <laughs> <laughs> I could always connect you. 
Oh my gosh. This is just fascinating, but this is all a part of your story. This is yeah, like everything she went through is a part of what she's taught you either by practice or by proxy. And it's amazing. And you've totally turned it into something incredible. Like you've made your mark, you've made your impressions on people. You have benefited so many people. And I'm sure there's no way we could ever know how many people that you've touched and positively affected. But I feel like your your mom has so much to do with that because she was such an example for you from what I'm understanding, from hearing the way you speak about her. She really was the example. Like she just went out there and did it. Yeah. Yeah. She and anytime I do have a challenge, it I think about all the challenges that she pushed through. And I'm like, what I yeah. have is nothing. Like I was yeah. really lucky, you know. Yeah. Uh, so it it does encourage me. And I and I don't want to discount my dad too. I mean, I learned a lot from him as well. I I, I just I share my mom's story because it's a little bit more um unique and 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 yeah you know powerful I guess god that's incredible oh my gosh this is just this has taken the most beautiful departure from the typical like the way that I do this podcast and the questions that I ask and I think that it's so valuable because it's such a departure and it's amazing and I hope that when people listen to this that they will be inspired to do something that seems insurmountable hearing that absolutely impossible challenges have faced your family members and they've overcome. So nothing that we face today is not able to be overcome. I mean, and especially as business owners and as people working in the hospitality industry, when we're hurting so much as a, as an industry, this is, huge to provide this level of inspiration. Um, I thank you for sharing that story because it's really impactful. Mm, thank you. I, I appreciate that. <laughs> yeah, I, I just, I think this is just wonderful, but um, I want to know if, if what, what you've done for people, it, it seems like you've, fulfilled yourself and your life by serving others so I wonder if you have any regrets or anything you if you could go back and change it you would change it or you would do something different in the future from what you learned do you have an experience like that that you can relate to I don't think so I you know I I can't really think of any regrets because I I mean, I guess good answer. <laughs> and, and if there was anything that I would change, um, it would be, and I think my mom would probably agree with me on this. And it it would be to be confident, you know, earlier on, because it did take me a while to to gain my confidence and to know the value I would be giving in an, in any situation and. You know, sometimes, and, and, and I'd have to say it increases every day, my confidence. And even in the last two years, even as I'm already, you know, 
into my 50s, I, you know, I realize I'm so much more confident than I was a year ago. You know, and it's just, I think it's a shame that I see this happening a lot with, um, I guess, women in particular. But, yeah, you know, it's, not... it's gender. It's, it's gender based. Yeah. For the most part, not exclusively, but yeah, you, you make a great point. And so if I was going to have any regrets, and I don't really know if that's even a regret, but if I was going to change anything, it would be to hold myself up with more confidence earlier on in my life. Yeah. You know, and I, that resonates with me so much, um, not just as a female, but as a human, it's, it's one of those things that I've always struggled with, too. Like, I don't deserve this. I'm a terrible person. I'm so self-centered. I'm like awful in this and this and this way. And it's very hard. Like, I wish I could go back and tell that 20 something that it doesn't matter that this person doesn't like you or doesn't understand you because you don't like them either. (laughs) It's okay. Yeah, totally okay. It's normal. It's called human interaction. You're not weird. Press forward, girl. Just do your thing. Oh, my God, if we could just teach all girls that, starting from age three, where they care about what they wear, we could help society so much. But it's just one of those things where it's very elusive. Seems Mm. very simple, but it doesn't, uh, it's not tangible. Like, we can't put our hands around it and fix it, you know? It's one of those things that we have to literally do person by person. And it's only through vulnerability and human interaction that we can have those conversations openly right. and honestly, because even to admit our own shortcomings is terrifying. Like, I hate saying that I'm a total asshole sometimes, but <laughs> the truth remains, regardless <laughs> of whether or not I'm willing to admit it, kind well, of a jerk. I sometimes. always say, you know, we're all always learning and and growing and we're going to make mistakes. And sometimes I make the same mistakes over and I yeah. beat myself up for it. You know, the, the best thing you can do is try not to make the same mistakes over and over again. Right. Well, that's just, that's just an illustration of stupidity <laughs> or stubbornness, depending on your mindset. Um, Cause I've definitely made the same mistakes more than once, but it didn't take me too many tries before I started to learn the lesson that right. was involved in the mistake. <laughs> and, and that's, I was just having this conversation last night with some neighbors and I was like, I've never learned anything from my successes. I've only learned from my failures. Mm. And I used to be ashamed of them. Like when you fail at something in your twenties and thirties, well, if you're not as easy, if you're more involved than I am, maybe you didn't learn them in your thirties, maybe you mastered it in your twenties. But I was just so humiliated. And I was like, oh, I would just wallow in self-loathing. And I think that so many people can relate to that because when you make a colossal error in judgment or in business, whatever it is, your errors, you feel like I should have known better. I shouldn't have done this. I made a mistake. I'm hugely embarrassed. I'm totally mortified. I don't even feel comfortable in my own skin right now. I'm not a valid human. I'm taking up air from others. Like all of those things. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
And maybe that extreme is a little bit more gender specific, but that was my experience. But it, it took me until my 40s until I realized that it, it actually just shut up. Yes, you did it. Move on. Right. Apologize. Own it. Move mm-hmm. on. Because no one cares as much as you do. Right. And that is what I would love to, to your point, share with younger me, younger you, younger generation. Like, you're going to make the mistakes, okay? You're never going to be perfect because that is perfection doesn't exist. And we know this. But just because the second you think you have reached perfection, something in the universe reminds you that you are flawed. And that's the beautiful part of feeling like you've reached a perfection level mm-hmm. because you're never there. And that is where goals come from. Yes. And we need goals as humans. We need something to work toward. And it doesn't matter what it is. We need that carrot hanging from the stick that's just beyond our reach, no matter how fast we run. So let's all just be the good little horsey that really wants to reach the carrot, right? (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I want to know, like, what, with everything you've shared, your amazing story for yourself, what you've done for others, what your family has experienced and what you've learned from your family's experiences, what would you want the listening audience to know about you as a person? Oh, that's a tough question. <laughs> it's a tough question. <laughs> I guess it's, it's my weird one. It's, it's the hardball for everybody that comes on the show. It's super awkward. <laughs> And I love it because it gives the most insight into the character of the person. Hmm. Well, I'll tell you what people have shared with me about myself <laughs> and that I agree with. Okay. Um, from, from everything from just people I meet to often, you know, team members I've had. And, and one of the things is, you know, I care a lot. You know, I, I care... I care that everybody shows up in the best way they can. And sometimes or often that comes out as a challenge. So I will push people to be their best. And, and I'm told I do it in a very nice way, um, which is good because I don't want to be, you know, I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. I don't want to offend anybody. Yeah. Um, but I, you know, I, I push myself more than anybody, of course, but I often will, um, challenge somebody, whether it is I'm facilitating a group and somebody says something and it just doesn't quite sound right. You know, I feel like there's something else there. Um, and so I might push back a little bit. Uh, it could even be in an interview. I'm constantly challenging candidates in the interviews. Um, you know, I want to get past those kind of standard answers that they may have read on the internet and really peel back the layers. Um, Mm -hmm. and I've heard it a lot from my employees in the past that whereas sometimes they may not appreciate it when I, when I push a little bit and challenge them, um, to be better. Uh, but often (laughs) they come back later and thank me and and say how much they've learned from me and 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 how that helped them in their career um so i just need to sometimes i 
you know, I think over the years I've learned what the right balance is. Um, and mm-hmm. then I, you know, I challenge my clients as well yeah, to, to help them. If, you know, if, if, if they're having trouble with an employee, um, especially a new hire, I, I, I might challenge them on what their role is in that. Yeah. That's a great answer. I like that. Thank you. You're always, you're always asking, you're poking, you're creating the intrigue. I like that. That's good. <laughs> that, that, that is a life skill, truly, um, to be able to be comfortable with asking questions to that degree, too. Mm. Yes, yeah. I'm, I'm definitely comfortable with it. <laughs> right? Um, so before we wrap up, I want you to tell the listening audience how to reach you, um, to learn more about you, to speak with you, to engage with you for uh, business propositions where they really need to hire some talent or for um, candidates to get into your database. Uh, What is the best few ways to reach you? Well, for... um business owners or, or hiring managers who, who are interested in learning more about our services, probably the best way would be to go to our website, which is aharecruitingexperts.com, or even just connect with me on LinkedIn, Andrea Hoffer. Uh, you know, and if you look for Aha Recruiting Experts, you'll, you'll find the right Andrea Hoffer. I, I love connecting with people on LinkedIn uh, and getting to know them. Yeah. For candidates, I also would recommend connecting with me on LinkedIn because that's the best way to hear, you know, about a a job opportunity we might have. Um, But we do also have a database, like you mentioned. And if they go to, it's all one word, youmadeanimpression.com, we have a, um, like a, a little form and they can fill that out to be a part of our candidate database. And if they're in our database, one, they'll get our monthly newsletter, which we often hear um, candidates say have some great tips that help them out. Um, and then also they'll, you know, they'll be in our database to look up when we have a job opening and we're looking for the candidate who is a good match. Um, it's, but the one thing I tell candidates, if you're going to go in our database, please put as much information as possible in there. And that means upload your resume. I can't tell you how many candidates just put their name and email and, and don't even put their resume. Oh my um, goodness. But even more importantly, there is a space to write a few sentences about what type of job you're looking for. You know, what what is the perfect match for you? And especially for people in hospitality right now where maybe there aren't as many hospitality options, but I'm a true believer that people who have succeeded in hospitality can succeed in many other industries. I love people who've come from hospitality. So, you know, what is it that you're interested in? (laughs) You know, what do you, what have you always thought about that you think maybe now's a good time to make that transition? Let us know, because then we'll think of you and that, you know, when we're, when we have those types of openings. And we're going to, um, we're going to release in the next couple of weeks. Um, we're, we're going to have a little transition package that we're really targeting people in the hospitality industry, since we've had so many candidates in that mm-hmm. area looking for other industries. And 
we um, were working with a career coach who specializes in those transitions, you know, transitioning from one industry to the next. So we're um, partnering on this so that we can offer a service for, for those candidates. That's fantastic. Thank you. I will be sure to put all of those links into the bio and the show notes so people can easily connect with you. Um, and one last request, what is the name of your mother's book? So it's funny you <clears throat> ask that. Um, it's it really, she just wrote it for the family. So it doesn't have a name. And, oh my gosh. So and it's not something been, we can buy. Yeah, I, I've had so many people asking to read it that I, I'm thinking that I might um, get it edited and maybe self-publish or look for a publisher. Uh, it, it definitely needs some editing, um, but it, the stories are pretty incredible. So I will let you know if I ever release it, but I'm happy to. I think she'd be That's okay awesome. if I send you the, the current PDF if you want to read it. Oh, that, that's, that's awesome. Thank you for that. Um, oh, my gosh. This has just been fantastic. I am so grateful to you for coming on the show and giving me your time and sharing what you do and who you are with, with our audience. Thank you. Well, thank you. It's, it's been a lot of fun. And this has been a completely different uh, type of interview than I normally have. And I, so I've really enjoyed it. Good. I'm glad. I want it to be different. We can't all do the same thing all the time, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, thank you again. And thank you all for tuning in to Lawler Out Loud, Mixing Up the Mainstream.